We are back on SoundCloud.com, the Brotherly Love Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at BeLovePodcast. Talked about the Eagles and the Sam Bradford situation in our first segment. Now we are glad to be joined by Bob Brookover from the Philadelphia Inquirer, one of their longtime sports columnists. Bob, thanks for joining us, my man. No problem. Good to to be on, John. John. All right, let's talk about your initial reaction to the Eagles' pre-draft move. I mean, jumping up to number two was certainly a big gamble. When it first went down, you said what? Uh, I did not like it from the beginning because I felt like this team has too many other needs and – the two quarterbacks that are going to go one and two in, in this draft are Goff and Wentz, obviously. Um, if you look at most teams' draft boards, they're not the first and second best players in this draft. They're, they're quarterbacks, which make them high-priority guys. But they're not the first. On most draft boards, they're lower top 10 with Goff, I think, and maybe 10, 11, 12 for, for Wentz. If you just line them up. The type of player they are, what what player they're considered. So you got two teams, the Rams and the Eagles, jumping ahead because they have this needed quarterback. Although to me, the Eagles didn't have a needed quarterback. They had Sam Bradford, and I would have gone and taken strength. You have enough weaknesses in other areas. Offensive line comes to mind immediately. Running backs, another one, and there are two, and there are good guys at those two positions that could have helped this team a lot. And you could have build your team for this season, but the Eagles obviously decided to go a different direction. It looks like the birds are going to be taking Carson Wentz uh, with this pick. Obviously, that's all contingent on this Rams and what they do at number one. And you mentioned another, they said that they have more holes. A guy that I look at in the third round, which is now one of their picks after they've kind of mortgaged the future, so to speak, do they draft running back in the third round? Is that something you see them targeting? I think it's impossible to know what they're going to do in the third round. Uh, you know, I, I think they they fill a need in the third round. Who who it's going to be? It, it's just too low down the board. To I mean, it's just nothing but a guess at that point because so many things have to happen before you get there. Uh, but you know, to me, I think they're more likely to go with an offensive lineman. They haven't they haven't drafted an offensive lineman since they took Lane Johnson with the first pick in what was that 2013, I guess. Um, and haven't drafted an offensive lineman since then. So I be would think they'd be more inclined to draft an offensive lineman. In your personal opinion, Bob, do you think Howie Roseman is the guy to bring this team back to a legitimate contender? Or were you of the ilk, and I wasn't sure if you wrote on this, that they needed a legit football kind of type of personality or general <laughs> manager for that matter to bring him back? I haven't written anything to that in, in that regard. Um, I would like to see him bring in a guy with a more of a football background than, than Howie. Uh, that, that doesn't mean he can't be the guy to do it. Howie's a very smart guy. I, I, I'm not in favor of many of the decisions he's made this offseason, but he's a very smart guy. He waited his time out here with the, in this thing with Chip Kelly that he went through last year, and he, he, he regained power. I mean, early when that first happened, when Chip was out, we thought, Maybe they would bring in a football guy. That's kind of what Jeffrey Lurie led us to believe. But then they decided there wasn't the right guy out there and that it would be a collaborative effort between you know, the scouts and Howie and Doug Peterson. But it's obvious that the strongest voice here is, is, is Howie Roseman. So for the, the sake of Eagles fans, uh, I hope Howie's the right guy. 
Bob Brookover joins us. He's a sports columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's been with the Inquirer since 2000. You can follow him on Twitter, at BrookOB. That's B-R-O-O-K-O-B. Bob, your piece today said that Eagles fans should pretty much enjoy the offseason because, quote, this is as good as 2016 is going to get for your Philadelphia Eagles, end quote. That's a scary thought, isn't it? It's a scary, but I really think that's the, you know, the way things are going to go here, regardless of what happens with Bradford, because to me, they're not getting any help in this draft until the third round, um, and they needed help. I mean, uh, if you think Jason Peters is going to play 16 games, number one, and if you think he's going to play 16 games anywhere close to the level he played in 2013, which hasn't happened the last two years, you're, they're absolutely fooling themselves in that in that regard. So they have issues there. They're, they're weaker at running back, uh, and they're not they're not filling any of those needs in this draft. I mean, if you get a third round offensive lineman, the chances are he's going to take some time. He's going to be a bit of a project. Now, if, if Bradford uh, continues to carry out this trade demand, and the Eagles appease him and trade him, and you know get get something in return. You know, they're not going to get something uh, that's going to be like a first-round pick or really make a difference maker here in this draft. And now you're talking about Chase Daniel being your starting quarterback and Carson Wentz watching. Now, you know, even if Carson Wentz goes on to become the quarterback of the next 10 years and the exact right guy for this franchise, it's not going to help this team in 2016. What have you heard about Carson Wentz if he, again, you know, again, if he's the guy from – "Quote unquote football people you trust." Uh, I, you know, I think a lot of football people like him, but they all believe he needs some time to to watch and learn. Learn that he's not a guy who is going to step right in and be your quarterback. And not not many guys are. I mean, you know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were two guys at the top of near the top of the board last year, and they had to come in and they had their struggles in their first year. They had some really good moments too. They had some terrific moments. But neither one of their teams ended up being anything special. The Titans, of course, ended up being the number one top of the board again. So, you know, it's it's the best guys struggle when they come in if they don't watch. And so that's that's not a knock on Carson Wentz. It's just that he he's away from being a top NFL quarterback if he ever becomes one. And you know, I don't know. And it scares a lot of football people that he didn't play against the top competition in college. Hey, Bob, if you can look into your crystal ball, so to speak, and I'm sorry for asking these crazy hypotheticals, but who do you think is going to be the week one starter for the Philadelphia Eagles this year? Uh, At quarterback, I think think it's going to be Chase Daniel. I really do. Wow. I'll be surprised if it's not. Good stuff. Bob Brookover joins us. He's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Bob, what do you enjoy more as we switch gears here for a second? Writing opinionated columns or covering a team on the beat, so to speak? Um, I, I enjoy enjoy both of them. There's times where I say, you know what, I, I miss the – when you become a columnist, you become more distant from, from everything in terms of the day-to-day part of it. And, um, you know, in, in some ways it frees you up to have a better personal life. <laughs> but in in other ways, it it also uh, you, you miss that just being firmly entrenched in everything that's going on with the team. I mean, the, the smallest thing you know about 
you know, and you try to know about them right away. And, and there's a there's a there's a certain rush to chasing the story that way. Um, it gets harder as you get older. I will say that. What's your interaction like with Philly fans on Twitter? I know you're on Twitter. We mentioned it at Brooke Ob on Twitter. What what is that part of social media like for you? You know, I I try to do it more through email because my email is still out there, it's still on every story, and I interact more with more with readers in email than I do than I do on Twitter, just because I feel like it's it's, it's a more personal thing. I know they're you know it's just between me and me and that person. Then it's not necessarily something that somebody else can read and have comments on. I, I prefer to do it where somebody sends me an email and I have an opportunity to say, okay, this is this is what I think. And, you know, if you want to call me an idiot, which a couple of people did today after writing off the 2016 Eagles, uh, but that's okay. I don't care if you call me an idiot, but I'm going to answer <laughs> you and say, here's why I said that, you know, and I'd rather do it in, that, in, in an email form than on Twitter. Tom, I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of people in this town, you know, covering a variety of sports. But is there one per- one athlete or one person that you really enjoyed either covering or interviewing the most? Um, there's a lot of guys going back a lot of years uh, that I that I enjoyed covering. You know, I I, I did hockey today, and and Ron Hexel was uh, the GM is talking, and as I'm sitting there, I co- I covered him when he was was a rookie goaltender in 1987 taking the Flyers to the final. I just thought about how crazy he was, uh, <laughs> and, and it was really a weird feeling to sit there and think about how crazy this guy was when he was a goaltender and how uh, emotional he was. And then to watch him as a general manager building this team through being through patience, and I kind of, I kind of wrote about that tomorrow, how this, this guy, I could you know, when I watched him when he was a 22-year-old rookie, and I was, and myself, I was only 24 years. Like this guy was never going to be the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. but but there he is, <laughs> and it's, it's a weird juxtaposition when you when you think about it. Uh, but there there are many 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 guys, baseball players. You know, I used to love dealing with Scott Rowland, Terry Mulholland, uh Brad Lidge was great to deal with. Um, you know. Managers uh, this weekend, uh, I'll, I'll be at a Phillies game and I'll see Terry Francona, and he was one of my favorite people to deal with. Love dealing with Larry Boa. He, you know, he he could get angry with you sometimes, but he, you know, a great person to deal with. Um, you know, football. Andy Clue, one of the all-time great people. So there's just there's the list I could go on forever. You don't have a, you don't have enough time even on a podcast. Today. Well, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time because if, if Scott Rowland gets mentioned again on this podcast, am I, I mean, really, Scott Rowland? From a media standpoint, terrific to deal with. Really, I know the fans didn't. I know the fans didn't love him, but from a media standpoint, he was he was a good guy to deal with. All right, Bob. Last thing I've got for you, which you know, it's, it's I, I did read your Hextall piece right before we started the recording. Uh, here tonight on SoundCloud.com. Great job on that, and it is funny you mentioned Hextall in that juxtaposition there because he he approaches things as a GM like a professor. I feel like, and as a player, he was anything but anything but uh, um, you know playing within the lines a lot of times. But uh, with all that said, the Phillies have their process, the Flyers have their process, the Sixers. Well, Hinky had a process. Who knows? Chip Kelly had his quote unquote process. <laughs> Which Philadelphia sports team wins a major title next? That's a good one. That's a, it's a it's a really good one. Um, I, I you're not gonna believe this, but I think maybe the Phillies, believe it or not, and they're all to me at least 
four or five years away, but I think it might be the Phillies. I really do. That'd be that'd be insanity, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it would be insanity. But if you think, if you think about it, I, I don't feel like the Finchers are all that close. Uh, Flyers would probably be second on my list. Yeah. It, it, but that's a tough sport, a tough tournament to go through to, to win it. It's a crapshoot once you get in it. Yep. And I think the Eagles are far right now. And, and the Phillies, to me, just seem like they're at least doing things the right way, you know. And 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 they've got a bunch of they've got a bunch of resources that they can use when they get to that point of being good. And then you talk about they got the first overall pick this year, you know. So there's a there's a lot of things in their favor right now. Well, we appreciate your time, yeah. Bob. Thanks for joining us uh, again. It's a very busy time, Philadelphia sports. The draft tomorrow, uh, and again, thanks for your time. Appreciate the insight. All right, thanks, Joe. Thanks, John. Have a great night. You too. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate it. All right, that is Bob Brookover from the Philadelphia Inquirer right here on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com.